Life Audio. Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends, my partners in radio, Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Um, boys, I like talking about movies. I just had a movie experience that to me felt like the most millennial movie experience I've ever had. And I'm noticing this now when I watch movies. I feel like I can tell when they're made by millennials and when it, when they have the ethos of millennials. And it just raised a lot of questions for me. Piper, you're either like a young Gen X guy or an old millennial. So we're going to lean heavily on you for this one. But we'll get into all that after we pay some bills. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right, boys, we're back. Um, so I watched the Netflix movie You People recently. Um, have you guys seen You People? And it doesn't matter if you haven't. I think the conversation still works. Oh, I saw movies? almost half of it. Yeah, okay. So You People is Jonah Hill uh, plays a Jewish guy, falls in love with a black girl, hijinks ensue. Their families are against it. They're trying to undermine the whole thing. Eddie Murphy's in it. And it's like he's reading off cue cards. It was just a total like mail in for Eddie Murphy. I kept waiting for him to dial it up and be mail mail me that check for Eddie Murphy. Yeah, it was like late career De Niro, where he's just popping up on a bunch of terrible things and just collecting a a payday. But um, Ron, you've seen half of it. Did it scan as like ragingly millennial to you? I mean, yeah. I mean, one hundred. Okay. It was just. It was like the. It was like people that have grown up with just sort of the, you know, the super awkward, uncomfortable style humor that's like hitting all the trigger buttons in terms yeah. of like race and, you know, all those. And they're doing it. They're doing it so on cue where you just go, oh, my gosh, I literally know what they're going to do next. And they do it. You know, kind yeah. Of thing. yeah. Yeah, it was it, to me. And I so you tapped out halfway through. I'll be interested to hear about why I finished the whole thing and. To me, it watched like a less good version of the show Curb Your Enthusiasm, if you've seen that, mm, yeah. um, which which allowed like Curb was always kind of like social issues adjacent and awkward. And La- Larry David was kind of forever fumbling his way through, like being on the wrong side of these social issues, sometimes accidentally, sometimes because he's an idiot. Um, and you were invited to laugh at it and kind of feel awkward about it. This one was sort of like 
90 minutes of a real movie and then 10 minutes of an after school special sort of tacked onto the end to like tell you exactly what to think and feel about it. And the redeeming part of it was that Jonah Hill was really funny on the, he's just fun to be with. Like I enjoy being with it, him and almost any movie that he's in, but it had a bunch of phrases like you don't see me. I want to be seen. And it had like the female character who like dresses like a guy, talks like a guy, looks like a guy refers to herself as one of the boys, but then gets super offended when somebody treats her like a guy. Um, the main character's jobs were podcaster and like Etsy designer. Um, <laughs> they shared an affinity for rap and shoe shopping. Like in this, it just struck me as the most millennial thing ever. My question to Wait, you, Pipe. I have a question. Like, Did they explain any of the economics of podcasting? Because I'm fascinated to know how somebody makes a career out of this. We've been at it for like yeah, 10 no, years. He was, he was trying. He, he was attempting. Okay. Yeah, and they both had like incredible apartments in LA despite being Etsy designers and podcasters. Um yes. it was kind of amazing. I was like, I want to host that podcast, you know. They they're killing it. Um Pipe, what's your experience been with millennial movies? Like being a, a older millennial yourself, is this something you're noticing in your like movie watching life? It's hard for me to answer that because by and large, I see, like, I'll, I'll watch a trailer and be like, oh, I'm not watching that garbage. That looks stupid. Like, mm -hmm. I just, it doesn't, none of them, like, what else would be an example that I'm, because I just, I skip that stuff. Because I'm like, I don't need a social issues movie to shove something down my throat. Like, if you're talking about a historic movie, like, you know, Till or something like that, that's a whole other thing. But if you're talking about, right. like, this kind of, this kind of, like, just tropey movie. I, it has yeah. no appeal to me whatsoever. And uh, by and large, I think my generation has stunk at, at creating film. Like, my generation is the yeah. one that has brought about remakes of everything old and then massive franchises. I don't think we make it, but yeah. we have been the generation that has, has sort of poured into that being the successful stuff, which is not good. Like, we, we've, lost, we've lost good movie making from, you know... Like, like yeah. it was years and years ago where like you could have a smaller budget movie and tell a story with compelling characters, none of which seems to exist anymore unless it's super arty and then Brett McCracken writes an article about it. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't, what are some of these other millennial movies that, I'm, that I may have seen? Because by and large, it just doesn't resonate with me. Yeah, that's a good point. Here, here's an example of one from you people. And you've got me really thinking now whether McCracken is going to write a piece on this. Like, I don't know if this hits the McCracken-Mendoza line of, like, being relevant enough for him to write about. But if he writes about it, I will I will legitimately read the piece. I'm, I'm interested in his take. But um, tell me if you got this far in the movie, Big R. Um, there was this character. It was Jonah Hill's dad in the movie was David Duchovny from the 90s. Um, so he was kind of making a comeback in this, and he aged really well. But, like he and his wife were basically just like human punchlines. Like they were always saying the wrong thing. And one of the like wrong, stupid things that he was always saying was he was like weirdly obsessed with the early two thousands rapper exhibit. Um, and that was somehow really awkward and funny. Whereas Jonah Hill's character was equally obsessed with the mid two thousands rapper Drake. But for some reason that was neither awkward nor funny for like the social <laughs> calculus of the movie. And KK and I are watching this going, like, what's the difference, you know? Um, in another 10 years, is Jonah Hill's character going to be sort of the punchline for, like, co-opting Drake? Um, 
I don't know. That struck me as like peak millennial energy. Um, I don't know. Big R, what are some other examples of movies like this? Like the the last one, I think mm. we talked about it on the program, was the one that um, uh, the kid who played Ryan from The Office made a movie. I really liked it, actually. Uh, I don't remember what it was called, but it was like he was a podcaster in the movie. So we're we're starting to get all these movies and shows where like they're they're podcasting in it, like only murders in the building, you know? Yeah, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. Like, w- this weird like boomer slash millennial energy where the main character. That's a great like, example of like a yeah. movie made primarily about boomers that couldn't be more millennial, right? Yeah, totally. Is that about only murders. Uh, Okay, so I, yeah, I love yeah. the murders. It? I think it's hilarious. And uh, yeah, but but the reason it's hilarious is because everybody is the butt of every joke. Like, there's not a yeah, there's not a like these these are the these are the ones who are so cool and and getting everything right, and then these are the bumbling idiots. It's like no, literally everybody's a bumbling idiot, and uh, and yeah. it sort of becomes the punchline, and and it it and it has all that uh, that Steve Martin Martin Short energy, which is its own special brand of genius. Totally. It's kind of like, though, like what I always get is like what I always the vibe I get. I agree with everything Pipe just said. It's really good because it's written so well. Mm-hmm. But there is a sense where they 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 try to normalize anything that in real life would be super shocky. Yeah. You know, um, like I this one of the things that kills me about movies like you people and even murders is like the like the level like the level of f bombing that just comes out like in everyday lingo like like <laughs> yeah. again you're not even angry you're just talking that way to the person that's cashing you out at the diner and yeah. i just go like look like i'm not only in church circles like i'm all over the place right and i mm. never hear anybody talking like that you know what i mean just like in totally like the waitress coming up and going i hope you're having an effing great day you know like <laughs> and they just and, and that, it's just like that to me is one of the least believable things that I keep seeing coming out in movies made by millennials where I just go, you guys are kidding, right? Like, like no, nobody is going around just like conversing like this in, in everyday life, but it's almost like that's, that's something that keeps getting exaggerated to me. It, it happens in murders. That's one of the things in, in only murders I hate is the dialogue seems really unbelievable to me in some of those ways mm-hmm. um and especially you people where i'm just like you're kidding right because like nobody's <laughs> talking like this you is know? that a is that a bit like you know how you, you, if there's a bit that's a little over the top and you just commit to it it's uh you, you know it, it it becomes um yeah it, it like becomes funny it becomes a staple or is it just is it just sort of a writing trope that's not very good yeah. Well, that's a great que- that's a great question because I, I just that has been an annoyance for me. But you know, even going back to like some of your points, T, with like you, you people, by the way, got horrible reviews. Yeah, bad it's getting reviews. slaughtered. Yeah. yeah, it got it got slaughtered, and um, I think um, I, there's I can't I can't I don't know how to articulate this because again we're we're doing a pod and we need to be we need to be quick here, but there there's something. There's something about, I always feel like they want you to, they're always trying to make what they consider to be what their version of real life believable. And to me, it, it almost seems, these movies are almost like fantasies. Like they're yeah. not believable, yeah. like on any level, but they're yeah. not believe, but not in the sense that they're giving you an idealized version of life. I mean, in some ways they are T you kind of said it, like you have these two people that don't have jobs or they're living in this really deluxe, like downtown LA apartment or whatever. Mm. So there is a fantasy element in terms of that, which might not even be fantasy. 
I mean, you know, I, I don't know how deep do we want to go and why people like that would have that kind of a place. But yeah. there's almost there's almost something like there's almost something s- surreal about everything. But at the same time, you almost get you almost feel like they're trying to pitch you like, no, this is just the way the world is now. And it's like, but it's really not. It's really yeah. not. I don't know. All right. We're going to take a break. And then I got two things on that. A question and a comment. We'll get to them in two and two. All right, boys, we're back. And my my comment on it is to to the f bombing point, Big R. I actually think that now it's a it's a way to remind audiences that like you're watching a prestige thing, right? Like, hey, we can drop f bombs. We're on HBO Max. This is prestige. Um, so I, th- I think they do it sometimes for that reason. But my question was, you and I both love the movie Swingers, right? Yeah. And yeah. Swingers is nothing if not like laden with F-bombs. And I remember watching Swingers kind of in real time in the late 90s when I was a like a 20-year-old guy thinking like, yeah, they pretty much get it right. That's pretty much how like dudes my age talk. You know, maybe not quite that F-bomby, but close, you know. So there was an element of that, at least, that at least in the 90s, it rang true to me. And I think it rang true with you because we're we're both big fans of that movie. Um, what do you think of that? I don't know. There's like a, I know what you're saying. Yeah. So it's not to say that like 25 years ago, people weren't F-bombing it in movies. It's more of yeah, like yeah. a... It's almost like they were doing it, you know, they were doing it as a way to like present like a certain kind of of humor. And I feel like now it's presented as just it's the way we say yeah and uh huh. And um, (laughs) you're right. And and like I just and there's like a there's like a there's a cynicism to it now. Yeah. Right. To where like when you're watching swingers, I mean, these dudes, they they're not taking anything serious. Right. Right. Um, And maybe that's from my vantage point as. I mean that oh, would be would a agree. that would be a classic Gen X film, obviously. Yeah. But um, see, I, I don't know. I don't think that's. I don't think it's as fake as you think it is. Like, go. You should. I don't encourage this behavior, but it is a good good uh, place for market research. Like, go hang out in some bars and restaurants in East Nashville, where it's it is largely mm-hmm. millennials. You know, it's a bunch of like late twenties to early forties people who are, you know already creative entrepreneurial want to be younger than they are and and it, i mean it it sounds not unlike a lot of that dialogue where the way you say yes is yeah. to say f yeah like that's just sort of the norm and and yeah the the barista might swear to you not at you but just to you you know if you're like hey what's your favorite yeah. thing on the menu they'll be like oh the you know the the creme brulee latte is so effing good and you're just like oh okay i guess I guess I'm not getting that. That sounds not not like my thing. I only do black Americanos <laughs> for last episode. Um, but uh, that's it. Really is it? Kind of is the norm. But your point about it being sort of it's cynical, been normalized. I get that. I it, get that too. It it does have a sort of cynicism and detachment to it, where it's sort of it it sort of it keeps you from sounding too invested in anything. You know, exactly. When, when everything yeah. when everything is profane, nothing is is heartfelt. And so, right. you know, if a movie's just effing awesome, that's different than I loved that movie. You know, those are they yeah. mean the exact same thing, except they don't. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think the other difference about these movies, and tell me if you've noticed this, is that like they're looking at you, looking at them in a way that. Yes. previous generations of movies yeah, yeah, yeah. never did. 
it's like this really ryan good. reynolds thing of like yeah one, yeah one eye is in character and the other eye is like winking at the camera like at no- the camera 100 yeah noticing yep. you noticing me um you know so i i just i just don't like that because it's sort of to me it erodes the like world building qualities of a movie like when i'm watching a movie i want to I want to immerse myself in that world for two hours, but watching you people was sort of an exercise and like, they're watching me watching them and I could never really like enter the world that they were trying to create ludicrous as it was. But to that point, like our generation did a brisk business in this, like it's not like there was anything realistic about friends, right? Friends was the most ridiculous, like Gen X thing imaginable in that, like it's like college without the classes. Like they're having coffee all day and they're talking about themselves, you know, and they're they're living in two thousand square feet in New York, which nobody could afford, and it was just this ridiculous thing. But to be fair, um, they they did all have good jobs except for Joey. Yeah, I wasn't as big of a friends guy. Were you guys big friends guys? Like in real no. time? I hated uh, him, but I'm aware of it. Yeah. So not funny, you guys. I yeah. don't get me started. I can't even <laughs> fathom how anybody in human history ever thought that show was funny. It's unbelievably unfunny to me. Unbelievably unfunny. So let me ask you this, though. Like, as kind of Gen X or Gen X adjacent, what was the appeal of it? Because I agree. Like, I was not a fan in real time. But I knew people who were, and I sort of assented to the fact that it was popular. Well, it was uh, it was it was a it was the sitcom version of Singles and Reality Bites, you know. In that sense, it was it was. But just I love like, both hey, of those things. Know. Like, well, I know. Well, it's it's different when you have two hours and when you have like five years of the biggest you know network you know TV sitcom in history too. So I guess that's you just got you just got a pinch of it with those movies because they're just movies, maybe. And when it, yeah, we were just, you know, Friends just inundated the world with their. Yeah, I don't know. It was almost like slapstick to me. Yeah. I, I felt like I felt like Friends was I felt like Friends was the Gen X uh, slipping on the banana peel, and like that was the kind of humor they were they were like literally pitching yeah. at you the yeah. whole time. And I'm like, I, dude, this is so this is so weird to me. I felt like I felt like every joke was like sort of like a version of "Am I right? Am I right?" You know, and everything yeah, they, yeah, they needed, out like, like that. They so needed funny. like finger guns after every joke. Mm-hmm. It was like it was. Uh, it's just un. It's un. I can't. You got. I got to stop talking. Yeah, See, I, I yeah, think and the, it was. I think the appeal ahead, of Mike. it was, um, I mean, in part. I mean, a lot of people think it's funny, which just goes to show the range and sense of humor, as well as you know, yeah, just I don't know. Humor is a strange thing in terms of how it strikes us. But the other is, we all got our thing. It's all good. Yeah, you you think about sort of the generational gap. So that friends got big in what, like ninety four, ninety five was kind of its ninety three ish in there. So. It it was like it was it was so anti baby boomer sensibility in terms of yeah, for sure. you know, independence, the sexuality of the humor. You have you have all mm-hmm. of these sort of like garish, outsized personalities. You have beautiful people. It's a life that everybody's like, man, wouldn't that be nice? Like I know it's fake, but man, wouldn't that be nice? And because and the thing is that that continues to work because now there's shows like Big Bang Theory and New Girl, which were sort of the they they followed in the footsteps, same like amazing apartment in these cool cities by people who yeah. are the exact same kind of, of uh, pattern of humor and everything. But it's just, I think it's sort of that, like people, people wanted to be part of that life. They're like, wouldn't it be great to hang out with these people? And, you know, for guys like us, we're like, no, I would want to smack all of them. But for millions and millions of people, they're like, man, we would be great friends. I would love to hang with them. 
we're just living life and isn't it crazy crazy yeah. isn't it crazy just, yeah it's crazy man we're just like right. we're just living life man i mean we're just kind of doing what we want um, yeah. We're not really hippies, but we're, you know, I mean, that older generation, I mean, they're just bumming us out, right? I mean, we're just, we're just doing our thing. It's like, it's fun though, huh? It's crazy. You know, it's, oh my gosh, it's, I just, I don't know. I could never fathom that. And, um, you know, and I like other things that people are going to think, well, that's dumb. That's not funny at all. So I get it. Humor is a, humor is a personal thing for sure. But I never got the appeal of that show. Um, and again, it, you know, coming out at the time that it did, it's, you know, it, to your point, Pipe, I mean, it's it's no different than what we're, you know, every generation has their, you know, has their sort of their their television that sort of, you know, kind of encompasses who they are, you know, so it'll be yeah. interesting. I'm trying to think of like my daughter who's 27. I'm trying to think of like what that what that would have been for her at this yeah. stage of the game. And I don't even I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm thinking like Nickelodeon shows for her. But that was but then when she became. A little more of like mid to late teen. Like, I don't even know. I don't even know if there's anything like that is uh, representative of that. I, Dude, I that generation kind of like yeah. leans hard on. Yeah, they lean hard on like the ironic nostalgia of yeah. like the Nickelodeon show. Like, so for them getting together and talking about the the super kitschy like Nickelodeon thing they watched as kids and then remarking on how like all those actors went on to become pop stars and like oh haha ha, aren't they stupid you know it's like, more yeah it's more it's, like it's age more of irony it, yeah it's almost like it's almost like so dumb it's cool you know like yeah. that kind of that era so it's like we're we're almost like we're chuckling at it even though we're still interested in it but we don't want anyone yeah. to think we take it too seriously it's, right um it's the it's the inverse what of what we were about. talking about ted with you know you watch that movie and it's like they're, they're watching you watch the movie millennials mm. millennials watching something humorous it's like they're watching themselves watch this movie. So they're, there's sort of a, there's a detached reaction to it as opposed yeah. to just being into the movie. So like the, you know, you think about like um, Tommy boy or, or yeah. uh, Billy Madison or one of these movies that was sort of our adolescent humor. We were not mm. thinking about how we reacted to that movie. We were just thinking, this is hilarious. <laughs> now yeah. reacting to that movie wasn't a reflection on us. <laughs> no. And it, I mean, and it was just—it was just sort of like unfiltered guffawing at absurdity and, and nonsense yeah. and, and crassness and whatever. Whereas you get you get you know millennials, I think especially younger millennials, and it's sort of a reaction is a posture. You know, what's the totally how, what is what is the right reaction to this humor? And so if you throw something silly in front of them, that's sort of you know that's dumb. And so all humor has to be sort of poking fun at and, and detached and distant. In, in the same way that using a ton of profanity keeps you at arm's length from, you know, gushing or affection or or whatever, you know, anything vulnerable. Yeah. Which is funny because it's also the generation that talks about vulnerability the most while keeping everything at arm's length. It's a bit confused. <laughs> That's fascinating. Well, and it makes sense because it's the first generation where you could really publicly consume things. Right. So like I remember even when mm. I don't know, the blogosphere started in like 2002 or whenever that started, it, it sort of opened up this whole realm and social media just accelerated this exponentially. But this whole realm of like, oh, like I just watched a movie. Now I can write about it on my blog. Like my Friday or Saturday night experience of watching a movie with my wife can now become content. And in that way, it can be part of how people 
metabolize and consume me as a personality. And I think that generation just grew up native to that whole experience, mm, right? Yeah. So, like, a thing isn't just a thing that I watch. A thing is now something that I use to build my own persona. And I think to a large degree, like, our generation has adopted that. Like, we have, in a sense, like, retroactively taken that thing on as a thing that we do. Mm. And by and large, it sucks, right? Like, I, I kind of think it sucks, but it's just everybody's doing it now, you know? Yeah, which, you know, last last episode we talked about Gen Z and how they you sort of complimented them in their ability to sort of absorb all this information and come out with a, you know, kind of a this is where I'm at. And they, they pivot really fast from one to the other. But they actually feel way less postury than millennials or Gen Xers in terms of those yeah. things, you know, way less of like I'm wearing the jersey of irony and more just like. Yeah. Nah, man, this is just what I like as I process all this information. And I'm going to like something different tomorrow. And then I'm going to like something different next mm -hmm. week. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it feels hard to keep up with for us old folks. Are you saying like way less like self-conscious? Yeah. Like, is that, is that, yes. Would that be a way to describe yeah. it? So, yeah. Whereas, yeah, you look at, you look at the way that the way that our generation or generations, wherever you want to divide that line, uh, use use consumption so consuming media movies music whatever as as a means for posturing as a means for posing as a means for you know whatever my my vibe is we're we're super self-conscious about it it's why millennial create like art music movies whatever mm -hmm. feels self-conscious and uh mm -hmm. it which is not you know which isn't awesome it's not great for storytelling it's not great for genuineness it's not great for a lot of things um, yeah. and it's, I, you know, it's hard to know exactly where it came from. Like, why, why are we the way we are? But, uh, but yeah, Gen Z is distinctly different on that front. I think they're way more sort of carefree on the posturing self-consciousness side of things. They have a whole bunch of other challenges. Kind of nice. Don't have, but kind of nice. Yeah, it is kind of nice. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I think that that might also pipe be a function of like everybody consuming everything at a different pace. So, like, nobody's really consuming anything at the same time anymore. So mm -hmm. they're allowed to, like, react to it in ways that are a little bit more personal. And because you're not allowed to come at anybody for anything anymore, it's like if they're really into Olivia Rodrigo, but I'm able to say I am the exact diametric opposite of the target demo for that. Like, they're okay with me not liking it. Like, they're just like, yeah, this isn't for you and that's fine and and it's like there's no yeah, there there there's no pretense of I'm going to put this jersey on even for yeah. a minute. And there's there's um, no such there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure anymore because it's like you can I mean, there are kids who go to school they they're called furries, like they they think they're animals. And like you're not allowed to, yeah. to I mean, one, once we've reached that point, it's like, oh yeah, there's no guilty pleasures anymore. Yeah. Like everything's on the table right. for better and worse. Yeah. If you don't feel ashamed about putting on like a like a rabbit suit and like going to school in it, then yeah, there is no shame anymore. Um, everything's on the table, uh, boys. Unfortunately, <laughs> everything is not still on the table conversationally, and that I have I have to go to a thing that starts in like two minutes. Um, so I'm going to call this 26 minutes of good radio in which we did what we always do, and until next time.
We want to take a moment to thank the team at Life Audio for partnering with us on this podcast. Be sure to go to lifeaudio.com and take a look at the other podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey, Ted, what do you want to do today? Well, Ashley, I've always got uh, work to do, naps to take, but I have a better idea. How about we invite everyone to listen to the TMUS podcast? I love that idea. Let's do it right now. Hi, everyone. We're Ted and Ashley Slater, and we'd love for you to join us as we talk about teamwork in marriage. We share how grace, commitment, and cooperation can help couples live the everyday moments of marriage together. To listen, go to lifeaudio.com and search for Team Us.